Welcome to Harvest Valley Worship Center's Sermon of the Week. You can discover more about our church, pastors, and special guests at hvwc.com. We hope that you are blessed by today's message. Um, all right. There's a, there's a unique anointing, grace, whatever you want to call it, for freedom in this season. I'm seeing it uniquely, differently than I've seen it in years past. I remember years ago, I had a conversation with a guy then and um, seasoned Christian, been through a lot with the Lord. And I, I just, they were going through some things and I said, you know, what about like praying, like having someone to come help like with deliverance ministry, like then what deliverance is, is that it goes through and it prays. You pray through different areas where the enemy may have a hook. Where the enemy may have some form of hook there. And this person had been there through a lot. And they're like, yeah, no, we've been through that. And my heart kind of sank inside a little bit because there's always more. I, I, like there's always another level that God wants to heal in our lives. Right? And if we ever think, no, I'm good we might have just missed it, right? Like that's not, it's not a good place to be. So um, we've been preaching, I've been preaching a series on holiness. How many of you enjoyed Kevin's message last week? So good. So, so we talked about holiness makes you salty, right? Makes you salty. You become the flavor of the world, to the world. The flavor that they need is Jesus. And we represent Jesus when we live holy. And then uh, we got to, I uh, hear Kevin talk about being light, being the light of the world. And that's what we're called to do. And he did a phenomenal job with that message. Um, I'm going to do a quick review here. Um, I believe that um, the word of the day is delivered, delivered, like set free, delivered. Um, and um, the series is called Synergy Through Holiness. Our focus for the entire year of 2023 is that God wants to take territory through synergy. He wants to uh, supplant everywhere that the devil has a foothold. He wants to have that foothold. Amen. Amen. Got every place. God is not interested in letting the devil have his way with anyone. Why are we okay with it? So God's putting a little bit of fire on us, I think, right now, so that we actually become the church that God needs. Because I believe that a holy people will change the region. A holy people will transform the region. A group of holy people will be salt and light and transform what this region looks like. Okay? Now, um, Here's a little bit of a review. First off, we talked about God is holy. This is who he is. We talked about the blood of Jesus makes us holy. We cannot be holy without the blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus, and what I mean when I say the blood of Jesus, I mean the sacrifice of Christ on the cross cleanses us from all unrighteousness. His blood washes us clean. We don't get to be holy without the blood of Jesus. And yet he still says, be holy for I am holy. He still says, live your life set apart for me. Don't live your life 
thinking that you can just live it however you want and slap Jesus on it and be fine. That's not what he says. Now, that's how we've been deceived, unfortunately, that we just get to kind of do whatever we want and go, oh, yeah, well, Jesus is right next to me in the process. Maybe not. He might not be there at all because he's holy. Okay, he's there, but he's trying to get you to be holy. So quit slapping him on your unholy. Okay, do we get that? We get that? All right, all right. So then we talked about being salt of the earth and we talked about being light of the world. And uh, one of the things that I'm trying to do every week is share testimonies of how being salt and light and how being a witness. And, and we heard from the men's retreat last week how God used this time at the Schweitzer men's retreat to really bring transformation into some men's lives. We saw people actually, through Mike's testimony even, of God delivering him from nicotine, seeing three different guys at the retreat give up nicotine. Like it was hanging on and they're like, I'm done, done, right? So cool, right? When you set yourself apart, people go, oh, you can do it. Maybe I can, right? So um, we've been doing some testimonies and one of my really good friends who I deeply love and respect told me a story um, about her family. They went on a trip to Chicago. I'm going to have her actually come up and share it. Will you guys welcome Christine DeNova up? Yeah. Hello. Um, so I was telling Chris and Mika at our house uh, last night that my husband and I went to Chicago in November and um, the story about my family is when I was 18, uh, God just, I had a spiritual awakening and I was, my family was dysfunctional, alcoholic. Uh, my sister was a drug dealer. We were all doing drugs and alcohol as teenagers. And when I was 18, the Lord uh, just came upon me and said, you don't have to do that anymore. And... I completely repented and turned towards God and away from drugs and alcohol and all of the dysfunction. And uh, he began to work in my heart and I changed pretty much everything. Um, left uh, all my friends, left my family, um, moved in with my mom because we were, my parents were divorced and the kids lived with my dad at the time. So I left them and moved in with my mom and had no friends. And so I hung out with all of my mom's friends. And, um, you know, then the Lord did a work in me. And um, so my siblings and I had this complete break. And um, I just became the outsider. And so um, when we would have family functions, it was very strange because I would show up and we would have nothing in common, and they just were kind of distant. And so for years this went on and eventually um, began to go to church, and God really started to work on me, and my desires began to match his, and my life was changing. And um, so my family began to look at me uh, very differently, and they just felt like I was 
apart from them, just very different, set apart. And um, so one day my sister said to me, you're just so holy. And for me, I was like, oh, thank you. But I knew coming from her, it was like feeling like I was condemning. And so to be around me was uncomfortable for them. And so just this, we've been praying, my husband and I have been praying, my mom's been praying for a long, long time and just trying to love on them. And uh, this November we went to Chicago and Ron and I prayed before we met them for dinner and the Lord did a huge work. They just poured out their hearts to us and told us all kinds of things that they were struggling with and asked us to pray and we were in a restaurant and, and it w went on and on and on for all the things that they were pouring out to us. And we said, yes, can, you know, if you're okay with it, we'd like to pray right now, right here. And we did. And the prayer went on for like 20 minutes and my sisters were crying and my brother was like, that was awesome. And my sister was like, I had chills the whole time that you were, you were praying for us. And, and we just know that God did something. And we're so excited because my, my older sister then said to me, Christine, I want your life. And I said, Peg, you can have it. And so ever since then, we've kind of had this bond, and I'm praying for them, and Ron's praying for them, my mom's praying for them, and then my older sister called me a couple weeks later and said, um, I, my New Year's resolution is to call you once a month. And I was like, we would go years without talking. Now she wants to call me once a month. So the Lord is really doing something amazing in my family. I'm so grateful, but um, it was... It was all because I said yes to God. And he just is making miracles happen. So, yeah. Come on up, bro. Come on up, bro. All right. Um, so, Dennis, can you come up and pray over this couple? We're just going to pray for your family. I'm going to ask Dennis to come and pray. We're so, we believe in God restoring whole families. I mean, he wants to restore the whole family. Come on up, Dan. Come on, Mama. Okay, well, you put your hands out. We're just going to pray with them. Lord, we just thank you so much for this couple, Lord, that has said yes. We thank you for their yes, God. We thank you, Lord, that they're pushing back the darkness in countless lives. Lord, I just release your spirit of breakthrough, Lord, on this couple, Lord, that they would see over and above anything they could expect, Lord, in their family. And the breakthrough in their family would be to many other families, Lord, that it would go around the world, Lord. A breakthrough, Lord, in relationships with family. Lord, I pray that... <clears throat> This whole family would just be so taken by you, God, that nothing else would take their attention, Lord, but that they would fall so deeply in love with you, Lord, and they would just be a, a testament to your glory and to your goodness. Lord, we release your anointing, God, even greater anointing on this couple, God, that they would just carry the oil of the Holy Spirit wherever they go.
And when they touch people, Lord, that they would be transformed and changed and healed and delivered. We thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for this couple. In Jesus' name. Amen, 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 amen. So exciting. Great job. Great job. So, salt and light. Holiness is attractive. Holiness is attractive. The world is looking for what is set apart. You know what's amazing? Did you know that beauty, everything that is beautiful in this world is rooted in holiness? It's set apart. You look at something and you go, oh, that's, be- oh, that's beautiful. It's set, it's, it's set apart. It's like, wow, that's holiness. All the beauty in the world is the expression of God's holiness manifested in creation. Isn't that great? I, uh, I want to talk today about our part. We have a part to play in holiness. And we did some exchanging. We started off with, like, this is how Mike had his moment of, like, I'm going to make a change in my life, right? Uh, we did an exchange where you would take anything that was defiling you or anything that you felt was make, causing you to trip up a little bit. We're going to exchange it for what God had for you. So we're going to put it, we're, we wrote it down. We put it in a box on the other side. We just said, okay, Lord, give me something and a word, a thought, a picture, something, whatever it was. How many of you know the Holy Spirit speaks today, right? And, and he's actively wanting to teach you and train you. He wrote his laws in your mind and on your heart. So we can actually hear what God has for us. And so we went through a bit of a process. And what I want to talk to you about today is this process of deliverance. Because many of us have unfortunately lived our Christian lives with a hook in us. For whatever reason, we don't feel like we can get breakthroughs in certain areas. Is that just me? It's just me. Okay, some of us have areas where we struggle and we go, I don't know how to get past that. Well, likely it's because the enemy has you believing a lie. Likely it's because you've got some area of your life that is unsurrendered to the will of God. Are you guys okay if I preach? Okay, I'm going to pastor you and I'm going to preach a little bit. One of the realities is that many of us are on the spin wheel of, of life and we go around the mountain over and over and over because we refuse to let go of something that God wants to take from you so he can give you something else. He wants to exchange the areas that have blocked you and tormented you and oppressed you. He wants to exchange that for his life, his goodness, and his freedom. Now, we have a role to play in all this. I'm going to be reading some out of the book of James. Of course, we know that James was the brother of Jesus. This book was written uh, between 40, they, they believe between 49 and 62 AD. Jesus dies at 33 AD. And then, you know, within 16 years, 16 to 30 years, we see that this book is written. And James, being the brother of Jesus, was not a believer. We see that he was not a believer when Jesus lived. It wasn't until he rose from the dead that we see that James became a believer. 
Okay, because everything that points prior says that he didn't believe. Right, and look in John 8. One of the things that, that's interesting is that um, this book is dedicated, the book of James is dedicated to practical Christian instruction. Like, how do we live? What should we do? How do we deal with trials? How do we deal with people who are rich and people who aren't? And how do we deal with wisdom and understanding and strife and anger and and, you know, spiritual warfare. There's all these topics in the book of James. And um, if you were going to give the book a theme, it would be a faith that works. A faith that works. And I'm going to just read a couple of verses in James chapter 1. And, and to give you context, James is opened um, with obviously James saying, hey, here's, here's some things that you should consider. Count it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience, starts it off hot. Hey, be grateful that you're being tried. Thanks, James. Don't know if I like that message, but that's where he starts. Then he says, let patience have its perfect work. Are you kidding me? I thought we weren't supposed to pray for patience, right? But let patience have its perfect work. In other words, when you pray for patience, you're going to become more like Jesus. Hallelujah. So don't avoid that, right? He talks about this, this weird concept of double-mindedness and deception. And this is why we're in James chapter 1. is because God wants to remove the double-mindedness from us. He no longer wants us to be deceived. Verse 21 and 22. It says, Therefore, lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. Be hearers, because you don't want to be be do, hearers and doers, not just hearers, because if you don't do, then you're deceiving yourself. All right, so I'm going to walk you through some points here. Um, the first one is lay aside the compromise. Okay, I'm going to give you some pro tips on holiness. How's that? Lay aside the compromise. There is freedom for the captives today. There is freedom for the captives today. There is freedom for the captives today. There is an anointing for being set free. Let's talk about the word filthiness. Filthiness, rough word. Uh, the word. The word means a moral defilement. Things that go against the will and the nature of God. The will and the nature of God is filthiness. Ill. Right? God considers it filthy. Anything in us that doesn't match his word or his will, he considers that to be filthiness. Now, in a grace culture or a hyper grace culture, we would just say, You're on your journey, keep working it out. In a spirit filled culture, you can be empowered to no longer sin. Grace is the empowerment for you to do what you can't do on your own. 
So actually grace empowers you to be holy where you can lay aside all the filthiness, anything that's not matching what God has for your life. Okay. Now he says, lay lay aside all filthiness, right? And so uh, 2 Corinthians 7.1, I've got it up there. It says, therefore, having these promises, those promises is Paul at the end of um, chapter 6 he talks about all the things that defile. And he's got a pretty healthy list. And he says, but listen, you've got a promise because God has called you a son and he's called you a daughter. Like you have the ability to be free because you're a son and you're a daughter of God. So based on the fact that you're a son and a daughter, those are the promises that God has given you. Therefore, having these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves. Okay, Again, it's participatory. There's the cleansing that Jesus gives you, but then you actually have to do some work to cleanse yourself. You have to take honest stock of who you are, what you're doing and your life. And listen, the spirit will sometimes come up right behind you and knock on the door real quiet. Like, um, did you see this over here? And you're like, oh, that's filthy. I wasn't even looking in that corner. I haven't looked at that corner for 50 years. Oh, it's dirty. Lord, will you help me come clean it? Because he doesn't put the cleansing on you. In order to cleanse yourself, you have to see it, and then you have to receive, which we'll get into in a moment, but you have to actually receive his thought about it, receive the truth, come out of deception, and he cleans it. Are you guys following me? Okay. This is not a you get to strive to clean yourself, right? Because now you start living in condemnation, guilt, and shame because you're looking for the filth in your life at every turn, right? And then that's not healthy either, right? You have to live empowered by the Holy Spirit. But when things are off and things are wrong, you do need to take a look. Holy Spirit, show me any areas that are filthy, so that I can be clean before you. Are we okay? All right, good, good. Come on, I want you guys to be so equipped to live life holy. I want you to be so equipped that when you are having conversations with people around you about why you choose what you choose that isn't what the world would choose, you have a reason for why, out of a depth of intimacy with God, out of a place where you're living out of the fullness of who God has called you, you're no longer compromising because you actually believe God instead of trying to fill your own void. So, hmm. you know, it's interesting. The world celebrates a defilement. The world celebrates defilement. We know this. If it can defile you, I was who's I talking? I was talking to somebody about like there was a thing. Um, there was a. Oh, I asked a question because I was working with somebody who was was um, getting free from some Mormonism stuff, and there was a picture that I saw in my mind as we were praying, and in that process, I'm like. Okay, what was going on in that there's like some ritual or something? 
And I felt like it was inappropriate, right? Like there was something inappropriate in it. And I asked my friend, ex-Mormon, I go, so what's the situation with that? Because I'm not going to Google it. Not going to, not, uh-uh, nope, I, I, I don't eat, I don't want, so I just asked a friend, like, tell me, like, I, I feel like that, and they're like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, totally, totally, so the world is set up so that if I Google or search something benign, I'm going to see defilement. The world is trying to defile us at every single turn. The world wants you compromised. It's okay. You can live half in and half out. Well, you just love Jesus, so you do whatever you want. That's the church says that, unfortunately. A lot of the church does. And a lot of believers believe that. One of the things that's really interesting is that as an adult male, I, for about two weeks, I went on TikTok because I have a social media thing. And so I'm starting to use TikTok and I had to swipe past garbage for like two weeks in a row for the algorithm to learn that I don't want to see that. Because it assumes that I want to see some things. The world celebrates defilement. So, since the world celebrates defilement, We have to understand that defilement actually grieves the heart of God. It grieves his heart. Yes, he's gracious, but it grieves his heart. Um, The thing here says, lay aside the compromise. This verse says that we are to perfect holiness in the fear of God. It means that we value what God says more than my desire. I value what God says more than the pressure that's on me around me. I value what God says more than what other people think about me. The fear of God says I value more about His standard, what He desires of me than anyone else or anything else. And so God calls us as part of our process of of becoming holy is to lay aside all the compromise. I am going to fear you, God, more than I fear anything else. And of course, this is the place of repentance. Because repentance is a a really fancy term that means turn around, think differently, go the other way. Literally, re means to go back and pent. It means the top. Begin to go back to God's ways, to the higher ways, to God's ways, to God's thinking, to God's being. So when we repent, we turn from our love of defilement and the compromises that are in our lives. Without Now listen, this is where the devil wants shame and condemnation because the Holy Spirit's already pointing to so many of you about compromises in your life. Okay, and that's good. It's good. Let the Lord have his way. Don't avoid the conviction of the Holy Spirit that says something's got to shift in your life. How many of you are here to leave the same? 
No, I don't want to leave the same. So can we just let the Holy Spirit have his work in us, please? I'm feeling so much resistance because you have compromised in the past. And when you did compromise in the past, you made a Jesus excuse for it. In order to live with yourself, you deceived yourself. And when you deceived yourself, you actually came into agreement with the enemy and now your life has been defiled and you're wondering why it ain't going right. So can we just open up our hearts to the Father of lights, the lover of our souls, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and say, all the defilement, God, I want out of my life. All compromise, I want out of my life. Just, I, I'm okay, God, if you show me because his grace and love and his mercy covers me. And he's like, I know what you did and I still love you. I'm still here. I'm not going anywhere. He's not going to abandon you. He's not going to reject you. He's not going to turn his back on you. But when you recognize I have been compromised, we say, God, I don't want to live this way anymore. Will you help me change? Because my best efforts didn't work. Will you help me? Right? So, all right. Whew. These are hard messages to preach, to be honest. I'd love to be a Jesus loves you fluffy preacher today. He does love you. And I would love to just get it all hype, you know. Uh, but listen, God's doing a work because there's a group of holy people that are going to transform this region. And if we don't take holiness seriously, right when the going gets tough, God's going to be like, where are the holy ones? Right when the, the harvest is ripe and the world is looking around for where is the Savior and we're compromised on the sidelines. It breaks my heart. We see it happen. And God's like, no, I want a group of people who will be committed to holiness because they love me and I love them and I'll empower them to do it. I'll make a way for them if they let me. Amen, Rosie. All right. So, um, boy, we're halfway through my first point. So, you know, we need to pray. Okay. All right. Um, let's talk about this overflow of wickedness. What does that mean? Overflow of wickedness is depravity. It's evil. It's ill will. It is literally means a desire to harm. Whew. A heart that has been offended and turned to a place of revenge. An overflow of wickedness is a heart that has been offended and hatred has sunk in and they want revenge. Woo, cleanse ourselves of all filthiness and overflow of wickedness, this depravity, right? So let, let me just tell you, unforgiveness is a door that the devil uses to set hooks in our hearts, and we must choose forgiveness to be free. We must choose to forgive to be free. You want to remove wickedness from your life. The key to removing wickedness is forgiveness. Forgiveness will remove the overflow of wickedness. See, the verse says, lay aside. Lay aside all filthiness. Lay aside the compromise that's in your life and the overflow of wickedness. It means set aside your desire to get revenge and forgive. Set aside the fact that you've been holding that thing against them 
for this long. Slay it down. All right. Do you guys get that God considers unforgiveness wickedness? All right. So now we've got to receive with meekness the implanted word. Receive with meekness the implanted word. This means that you are willing to be instructed. Come on, spiritually mature ones. Are you willing to be instructed? Right? Come on. I know too many mature people who won't listen to anybody. What? Not me. Proverbs 4.10 says, Hear my son and receive. Same word. Hear my son and receive my sayings. And the years of your life will be many. Proverbs 19.20. Listen to counsel and receive instruction. That you may be wise in your latter days. So how do you define receive? Well, it means to take with the hand or to lay hold of. To receive means to take with the hand. Reach out and grab it. Lay hold of it. Sometimes we're like, just put it on my lap, Jesus. And I'll sway and hold it like a baby. I'll receive it. I'll receive, God. Just hit me with it. Hit me, God. I'm waiting to receive. He's like, will you lay hold of it? Grab it. Take it for yourself. That's what it means to receive. It's easy to do nothing and receive it with meekness. Just waiting, God. No, go lay hold of it. Go lay hold of it. To receive means to go take with the hand. Now, this word receive is used in terms of spiritual gifts as well. I love Jack Hayford. Bless his heart. I'm so glad he's with Jesus now. I was sad when he died just recently. Jack Hayford is a, was a four-square pastor in Southern California, one of the greatest, I think, Pentecostal charismatic preachers of all time. I think he was probably the one that grounded the Pentecostal charismatic movement in the Word of God like no one else has ever done. To the point where the anti-charismatic pastor John MacArthur said, Will you come preach at my church? Jack Hafer got to get in the Grace Community Church pulpit because he knew the word that well and they respected how well he knew the word. Right? Okay. Jack Hafer just recently passed. We just blessed his family. But he, he made this analogy. Could you imagine Christmas morning? And we got a tree. I just love it. I got a tree right here. Oh, no. Oh, no. Um, Jesus, help me with the tree. Hey, okay. I'll grab it from the bottom. All right. So it's Christmas. There's a Christmas tree. It's a little, it's Charlie Brownish. Okay, let's be clear. It's not what everybody would want. But So underneath this tree is all the presents, right? Can you guys imagine like, like just tons of presents underneath this tree? And these are gifts that God has for you. And you come down Sunday, or it's Christmas morning. Sunday morning, it is Sunday. But you come down and you're like, 
Look at all those gifts. Wow, God, I pray that you would just give me one of those gifts. God, will you just hand me one of those gifts? God, I, I see the gifts are right there, but God, can you give it to me? God, I, my name's on that one. God, can I have it? Could you imagine a kid on Christmas morning coming down, looking at the tree going, are you going to give me a gift? Because I see my name on it. It's under the tree. Can I have it? Is that Christmas morning? Are we allowed? Like, but can you just, can, can someone play Elf or Santa and just give me the gift? No, you're like, what are you doing? Just go open the present. It's yours. Go grab it. Go lay hold of it. Grab the present. It's got your name on it. Okay, now, that's the concept of receive. Some of us have been asking for the Holy Spirit, and we're like, God, hit me with a ton of bricks so that I can speak in tongues. Or you just go lay hold of it. Ask, seek, knock. For the Father will not, will not withhold a good gift from you. And he's speaking specifically about the gift of the Holy Spirit there. So, all that. That looks great. All that to say that receiving is laying, laying a hand on it. It's going after it. It's going to grab it. It's going to get it. Okay? So, how do you receive with meekness? Well, meekness is a mildness of position. It's a gentleness of spirit. So you need to go receive with meekness the implanted word. You need to go lay hold of with a spirit of gentleness the word of God that helps you be holy. If you're struggling, seek the scriptures. Find the word from the scriptures. Begin to meditate on it. Begin to memorize it. Begin to get it in you. Why? Because you will receive. I'm going to lay hold of this thing. I'm going to put the word of God in me gently. And I'm not, you know, I'm just going to receive it with meekness. I'm going to receive it. Let you, God, will you teach me? Let like a teachable spirit is what they're talking about. Can you receive instruction from the Lord? Or do you get angry if it doesn't match up with what you wished it said? This is a soft and pliable person who's correctable and can be trained. I don't care how mature you are in Christ. We all need to be able to receive correction. If you're a good son, you better be getting corrected, Hebrews tells us. Right? Okay. All right. So there we go. Receive with meekness. Um, and now we're going to talk about the implanted word. I love this word implanted. It means engrafted word. Rooted in you word. The word of God that is engrafted and rooted in you. In you. This is so good. The Word of God, this is the Word of God that trains us and instructs us. Instructs us. <clears throat> the word here is the word logos or lagos. Lagos. 
That word is the same word that's used in John chapter 1, talking about Jesus, that in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. So receive with meekness the implanted, the engrafted, the rooted word of God. Receive that in you. Receive it in you. Now listen to this, Romans 10, 17. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So the logos of God, the rhema of God, however he is speaking to you, it does something that increases your ability to believe him. So receive with meekness the implanted word. Why? You need faith to develop in your life. You need to be able to believe what God says. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Then we see, of course, Hebrews 4.12, for the word of God is living and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even the division of soul and spirit and joints of marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Um, if we're going to lay aside compromise, if we're going to remove filthiness and the overflow of wickedness, we need the word of God. We need to receive that rooted and engrafted word. Gosh, this new covenant where he does what? With the word? He like wrote it on our minds and on our hearts. Like the word, his laws were put in us. It's engrafted in us. If you're a believer in Jesus, the word of God is being engrafted and rooted in you. And because of that, now because it's engrafted and it is rooted in you, we come to a place where we can understand and discern whether this is God speaking or somebody else speaking. Why? The word discerns what's you and what's not. The Word of God will help give you discernment. And it comes from within. Now let me tell you, if we're going to be pliable, if we're going to be teachable, if we're going to be trainable, if, if we're going to be a people that can receive with gentleness the implanted and engrafted Word, right? If we're going to be that people, we actually have to go and receive. We have to be a people who are willing to go and lay hold of the word of God. This is why we give you a life journal. If you're not clear, well, I don't know what to study. I don't, just do it with us. Come, come on, read what's in there. You don't have much time. Do a little bit, right? Because there's three options. There's a short version, a middle version, and a long version every day. If you're not sure where to go, just read a little bit. God, speak to my heart. Show me because your word is engrafted in me. As I read, it will come alive in me. So will you show me what you want me to see today? And oftentimes he may correct you. He may be like, yeah, that was pretty proud, negative thing that you did or whatever. You know, who knows? Or he might be like, man, I'm so proud of you for knocking that out of the park. He might say, man, I've been trying to get your attention on this issue for 10 years. I think you're ready. Let's go. Do you know, like, like every time the Lord corrects you, it's an upgrade? Do you get that? It's an upgrade in thinking. It's an upgrade in living. It's an upgrade in everything. Every time the Lord corrects you, do not despise his correction. Embrace it. Enjoy it. Learn to love it. Oh, man, it's so good. 
You mean he's going to point to the places that aren't like him so I can be like him? So I can be like him? Wait, so you're telling me that where I've been getting it wrong, he's going to make a way so I can get it right? What? Oh, and by the way, he's going to empower you to do it. He's not going to let you go flounder and try and figure it out on your own. He's given you a comforter. He's given you the Holy Spirit to walk with you in the process. So, we need the implanted word. We're getting there, guys. Let me say your soul is at stake. Let me just read the James passage again real quick, just so that we're, we're, we're following. Therefore, lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. Now, let me just say this. At salvation, we would say our soul is saved. Would you agree with that? It's kind of the whole meaning of the word salvation, right? Like, if when I come to Jesus, I get saved. In other words, the punishment that was due to me for all of my sin is now wiped away. Amen? And yet, the word saved here, he says literally, do this so that your soul shall be saved. So what's he talking about? Either I'm saved or I'm not saved. Well, the word saved is a big word. It's the word sozo. It means saved, like salvation, healed, and delivered. It means that not only are you eternally saved, but there is a process that God is going to take you in so that you are no longer bound. You are healed and delivered, being sanctified, being brought into a place where you're no longer battling against sin anymore, where you're delivered. So, the word soul is interesting too, right? It's, um, there's, here's some definitions. The vital force which animates the body and shows itself in breathing. The vital force which animates the body and shows itself in breath. Whoo! The seat, it's the seat of your feelings, your desires, your affections, often called the heart. Right? And we know that our soul often is in control of our mind and our will and our emotions. Those things. And God wants your soul, the seed of your feelings, desires, infections, your mind, your will and emotions, your heart. He wants your soul to be fully and completely healed internally. I mean, you know, I've come to, we come to Jesus and we have this encounter with God and we give our life fully to him and, and, and yet I'm still heartbroken. I'm dealing with unforgiveness. I still got issues in my heart from trauma and wounds and things that I'm like, I'm still struggling with that. I don't know why. Like I thought all of it should just be wiped away. I shouldn't have any problems now. What's going on, Jesus? You saved me, but now I still need saving? Yeah, you still need to be healed and delivered. Now, Ephesians 2, 4 through 10. This passage um, in Ephesians 2 um, is the, for by grace you have been saved 
through faith, but that not of yourselves, lest anyone should boast. See, it's by grace that we're saved, right? It's not our working that does it. It's God's grace, right? And we choose to walk with Him in His grace to live out our freedom. Romans 5, 9 through 10 says, Much more than having now been justified by His blood, we shall be saved from wrath through Him because we're justified. We don't get the wrath of God. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of His Son, much more having been reconciled, now that we've been reconciled, right? Things are made right. We shall be sozoed by His life. We shall be saved by His life. His life in us delivers us. It heals us. It sets us free. So yes, we're saved from wrath and we're getting saved from all the garbage that's in our lives. This is often taught very weirdly. You are rescued and being set free. (laughs) All right. Uh, Verse 22 in James says this, but be doers of the word and not hearers only deceiving yourselves. And there's a whole passage here, right? It talks about, you know, if anyone's a hearer of the word, not a doer, it's like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. If he observes himself, goes away and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty, law of liberty, and continues in it is not forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work. This one will be blessed in what he does. So there's this place where our obedience to God's word to us is how you stay free. There is synergy in obedience. God is able, and it's through our partnership. Synergy is when when one thing on its own can do so much, but when you add something else in collaboration, it produces way more. Like your efforts to get saved doesn't get you far. But you say, yes, God, here I am, and I'm going to give you everything. And then he puts his blood, and we put it together, and he's like, okay, now cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Right? James, a little later on, he says that. Okay? Chapter 4. One of the things that's crazy is that when we combine together, because we are free, we're now able to do and be obedient and do the things, there's a radical thing that is produced in the world. You become salt and you become light. You get to be a whole different level. A whole different level. Obedience to the law, let me say this, obedience to the law does not produce freedom. Would you agree? Obedience to the law does not produce freedom. And Without the grace of God and without the blood of Jesus, we are not free. When we disobey, what does it do? It creates deception. And this is kind of the whole point of deliverance. There's a moment in our lives where we begin a process where God asks us to do something and then we don't do it. And now we've given the enemy a foothold to come and bring shame, condemnation, and now we can deal with all the effects of oppression in our lives. 
But when we obey the word of the Lord, we now begin to walk free. When you're radically obedient, you're able to be the salt and the light that God wants you to be. You can go to a whole different place with God when you're radically obedient. Okay. Now, there is synergy in obedience. See, God wants the truth to set us free. Because, you know, deception is really crazy because you can't see it. Oh, oh, you can all see where you're deceived. I see. I see. You're, you, we, we, we can all tell where we're deceived. Deception is awful because we can't see it. What's even worse is that deception always has some truth in it. A lie doesn't have truth in it. Deception has some truth in it. This is what's really hard for people who maybe have been walking with Jesus for a season or two because we've actually mixed deception into our walk and we're compromised. And God's saying, I want to point to some things to get that deception out because it's hindering you from getting to the places that God has for you. John 8, 32 says, you shall know the truth and the truth shall what? Make you free. An honest assessment and confession along with prayer, I think is great because you can just release forgiveness. You can receive to lay hold of your healing. You can believe in the Lord and have, have hope again and have faith, right? But we got to be honest, right? First John 1, 8, if you say you have no sin, you deceive yourself. <laughs> Whoa. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. Can I just say that there comes a season where in your Christian walk where you begin to think like Jesus and you, like, you're not worried about sinning anymore. You should all be aiming for that. You just are living your life with Jesus, but you know what? You're still broken, and there's still brokenness in you. There are still places in you that the Lord wants to get to. I don't care how long you've been walking with Jesus. Some of the most some of the guys that I know that have been walking with Jesus for 60, 70 years are the most open about their actual brokenness because they've been humbled by the Lord so many times that they're just like, I can just uh, let me just tell you here, I'm broken. Here's my brokenness. They don't walk around acting like they're all good. Humility. Humility allows us to be set free. Now, taking an honest assessment isn't to beat you up. Taking an honest assessment is not so that you feel bad. Nowhere in the Scripture, like... You need to lament and mourn and weep over your sin. You really do. And there comes a point where God cleanses you and forgives you, and then that is dead. That man's dead and buried. But if you keep unburying it so that you can lament and mourn over your past sin, there's a hook there. There's something back there that still needs healing. Because if you keep going backwards, you're not actually getting free. 
So there's a point where all that gets buried and then you just pursue. And then when God reveals something, you say, yes, Lord, I agree. That's totally right. And I'm going to receive some healing. And I come to you freely. God, I confess that. Forgive me. And he wipes the sick clean and you move forward. Okay? It doesn't have to be six weeks of beating yourself up at all. Just literally just take care of it right there. All right. So what are the keys? Come to Christ. Hey. Hey. Give your life to Jesus fully and completely. When I pray with people and they're struggling with whether it's uh, they feel like something's demonic or that there's some trauma or some wound or there's something and and we've got prayer people that just are willing to sit down and we'll take some hours and just let the Holy Spirit lead a prayer time. When we do that, the first thing we have to establish is have you fully given yourself to Jesus? Because that's the key. I could try and deal with all the garbage all day long, but if you haven't given yourself fully to Jesus, then you're going to be worse off. Because you actually need a new habit. You need someone, something new to inhabit you than your wound. You need the Holy Spirit to come and abide in you. And you don't have that until you're actually saved. So we start there. Every time we're just going to start there. Let's give our life fully to Jesus. Right? That could be done a number, number of different ways. There's no blanket prayer for that in Scripture. You believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. You'll be saved. Confess Jesus is Lord, right? It's a work that the Holy Spirit does. So the first thing we have to do is come to Jesus, give our life to Jesus. Second thing is that we need to receive the implanted word. Guys, get in the word, lay a hold of the word. Begin to, begin to let the word of God begin to work in you because as you pursue holiness, the word of God is gonna do some work in you. The word of God is gonna change you. Stop putting it on the shelf because you've known it so well. Get, get a new version. Read it with a new lens. Do something, but get the word in you every day. Please, I'm begging you. Get the word in you every day. And it's not in order for you to perform and go, I did it every day. I don't do it every day. I don't. I don't. I meditate. I pray. I've got a lot of scripture that I can recall by memory that God gives me. So I'm, I'm, I'm in the Word. doesn't mean I'm like, I've opened it. Like, because I have study times, right? Like I have study times where I'll like, like take four hours to study, right? It's great. It's feeding my soul every day. I'm doing some type of reading, memorizing, meditating every day, something. But I don't do it to like check the checklist of I'm okay with God now. It's out of this relationship that I have with God. So I, I really believe we have to receive the implanted word. And then we need to pursue holiness. Just pursue it. What does it look like for you? I don't know. Pursue it. What are the things that need to change in your life? I don't know. Pursue it. God, what is it that you want to do differently? Have the conversation with Jesus. Pursue holiness. Be radically obedient. Will you stand with me? <clears throat> Wanted to wrap up our series on holiness um, with this concept of radical obedience. 
You're going to look weird. We started off the holiness series by saying, I'm weird. I'm set apart. I'm not normal. I'm not made to be normal. I'm made to be set apart. I'm made to be holy, and it's beautiful, right? Radical obedience means that you've got to be okay with change. You have to be okay with God changing you, changing your family. You have to be okay with God moving things in your life that you've held on to. He will reveal every area of your life where there has been an idol. He'll reveal every area of your life where there is something that has had a higher priority than him. He's going to do that because he loves you. He's going to do that because he's excited to see you become the men and the women of God that that bear his image and his name. What it requires is when you're prompted, whether it's from the word of God or in a prayer time, he says, you should go do that. Go do it. Stop putting off the simple things that God is asking you to do because of your discomfort. It doesn't feel simple because it's uncomfortable. See, the Holy Spirit's here to be your comfort. You will have a greater encounter with God if you do the uncomfortable. You'll have a greater experience with the Holy Spirit when you do what's uncomfortable. When you're obeying the Lord and you're willing to get uncomfortable, you will have a radical walk with Jesus. Doesn't mean that you're disrespectful or rude. You're actually beautiful and holy, right? Because you're meek, gentle. You got a gentleness about you. This fruit of the Spirit is coming alive in you. And let me just say this. Nothing can stop the move of God in your life. Nothing can stop the move of God in your life. Nothing can stop the move of God in your life. Nothing can stop the move of God in your life. Nothing can stop the move of God in your life. Nothing. No devil. No trauma. No betrayal or rejection. No fear can stop the move of God in your life. We pursue Him. He makes us holy. Nothing can stop the move of God in your life, Matt. Nothing. Nothing. No diagnosis. No bad parenting. No addiction can stop the move of God in your life. Put your hands on your heart with me. I'm just going to ask that the Holy Spirit begin to minister His truth into your heart right now. Holy Spirit, I ask that you come and that you just implant your word about each of these people here today. Holy Spirit, will you begin to whisper 
who they are. Remind them. Remind them. Not just that you love them, but that they're called. Not just, God, that place of grace and forgiveness because you're so merciful and you're so good, but Father, you've called them to change a world. You've called them to do more than to live selfishly in Jesus' name. You've called them to do more, God. So Father, I'm asking right now that you just begin to breathe on each person's heart right now. I'm just going to give you a moment of silence. I want you to listen. Listen, because all that, all I believe that as I was preaching, God was cleaning you. I had to labor at the preaching a little bit today because God was actually doing a cleansing as I spoke. And I felt that. So since the Lord has been cleansing you, and you've come into agreement with the Word of God, let the Holy Spirit speak to who you are right now. He's going to give you either a new name, maybe a role, an identity. He's going to give you something. He might even describe you. But let the Holy Spirit speak to your heart right now. Holy Spirit, come. If you felt like the Holy Spirit spoke to your heart, I want you to just raise your hand where you're at. Come on, hallelujah. We'll wait just a couple more minutes. We're just going to listen. A couple more moments. We're just going to listen. Holy Spirit, I pray that you speak to each person here about who you say they are. What are you saying, Lord? Holy Spirit, what are you saying about them? What are you saying, Lord? Thank you. Thank you. So Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for sending your Holy Spirit into this place today to speak to us through your logos, through the rhema, through the the word that produces life in us. We are grateful, Jesus, for your sacrifice that you made a way for us to become holy because you made, God, you made him who knew no sin to be sin for us. I thank you that there is an absolute cleansing of all unrighteousness under the blood of Jesus. And so, Father, I'm asking that every hook and every tie, everything that has been um, on our lives that is not from you, I pray that that be broken off in Jesus' name. Every place where we have allowed our traumas and our wounds to speak louder than your spirit, Father, we repent for putting our wound as an idol. And we ask God that you would just begin to cleanse us and wipe out our hearts with your love. Let us encounter your love in such a way, God, that, that it removes the bondage that have, been bro- that have been built by the enemy to steal, kill, and destroy. Father, I pray for everyone who struggled today with unforgiveness. How do, how, God, I don't know how to let that thing go. God, I'm asking right now that you would empower your people to choose forgiveness. 
especially for those that don't deserve it. God, you came for us while we were still unrepentant sinners. So Father, I thank you that your forgiveness was made available and you gave it freely. So God, with that, we choose to give it away freely. Father, I'm asking also for every single person here. Um, I feel like a few of you actually like have locations that make you depressed in your life. Like there's like a place that you go to and you're like, ugh, this is depressing. Can I just tell you, there's a spirit on it. Okay, so what I want you to do is when you find yourself in a place like a location, just invite the Holy Spirit to cleanse the place. God, just cleanse this place, just cleanse the location and let the light of God begin to just burn up anything that's kind of junk or garbage in that location. Okay, because listen, an enemy might be like um, trying to create havoc in your life. So... Um, I'm just going to release a blessing over you right now. If that was you, I just release a blessing over you to cleanse the atmosphere wherever you go so that you're no longer bound to depression, no longer bound to the side effects of demonic attacks in those locations. And we ask God that you just put a canopy of the blood of Jesus over that place and that your fire and your light burn up every demonic activity there. Okay. Um, some of you have struggled for years with repetitive sin, sin that you can't just, you feel like you just can't break free of. Um, this is, I don't want to put anybody, uh, make you embarrassed or anything like that. Um, I'm going to be up here. Uh, if Dennis and Colleen and Charlene will be up here as well. We've got some prayer people up here. If you need prayer for anything, great. But if you've had repetitive struggles with things you can't seem to let go of, there is an anointing for those things to get broken off your life. It will require you to do some things differently, right? Like, God, I just received freedom. And then you pull out your phone and you look at pornography again. It's like, no, it's actually going to require some things of you, but God wants to actually pull the hook out of you and heal something in you so that when you're tempted, you go, I don't need that anymore. I don't need that. And then you can put it away. You learn how to walk out a different way. Okay. I just use that as an example because it's 80% of the church dealing with it. <laughs> it's a real thing. Okay. So Heavenly Father, I ask right now that you would just bring freedom to every person in the room for everybody that needs prayer. Ministry, give them the boldness to be radically obedient to your word, to receive healing, to receive prayer. We thank you, God. We just get to partner with what you're doing, Holy Spirit, perhaps with the wisdom of God and perhaps with an anointing to bring you, uh, bring your presence in a way that, that moves um, powerfully in people's lives. So we just thank you, God, for what you're doing. In Jesus' name, everybody said... Amen and amen. Thank you for joining us today. Harvest Valley Worship Center is called to be a refuge for healing and a launch pad for transformation. If this message impacted you today, please let us know in a comment, or you can email us at media at hvwc.com. Thank you for joining us, and we look forward to connecting with you.